0: hello podcast listeners thank you for tuning in to another episode of kingdom talk with tanya i've missed you all i unfortunately was unable to post last saturday which i typically do the first saturday of every month but here we are second saturday in may um i've been traveling a lot it's been an extremely busy spring it's it's been great it's been amazing Um, God is so good, He's so faithful, and He's been taking care of me, He's been watching over me, He's been blessing me, so I'm very, very, very grateful, and I hope and pray that each of you have been blessed as well. Today, I am going to talk about one of my favorite subjects to address, to talk about, and to live by, and that is faith. The title of my message is Crazy Faith. It's very interesting because for the past probably month, um, I have encountered messages about faith. I read a devotional about faith. As a matter of fact, if I'm being honest, I stole the title of this message from a uh, pod—not a podcast. I'm sorry. From a devotional that I recently read, and the title of it was "Crazy Faith." You are listening to Kingdom Talk with Tanya. And it was really, really powerful. Very good. And I believe that Crazy Faith is pushing yourself to another level, another dimension of faith. My word for this year is faith. One of my words this year is faith. And it's Crazy Faith because I am believing God for some pretty miraculous things. I'm believing God for some things that are bigger than I can even imagine or fathom happening things that man would say is impossible, but that's faith. That's crazy faith, and so I'm I'm doing that. I've believed God for it many times before. He's always delivered, and so once again, I am leaning on the Lord. I'm trusting in Him and His promises, and I'm standing on them, and I know it shall come to pass in His perfect time, and I pray the same thing for you. So, the scripture for this message, Crazy Faith, is 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. And it's a very simple scripture, which you all can remember it. And the scripture reads, For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. And this means we don't look at things as we see them with our natural eyes. We look through God's lens. We see things through God's lens. We see ourselves and our loved ones as blessed and walking in victory no matter what's going on in our lives right now. And there are many people that are going through circumstances or situations and our faith is a little shaky. Well, I will tell you that the opposite of faith is fear. And let's talk a little bit about what the Bible says about fear psalms fifty six three and four says when i whenever I am afraid, I will trust you in God, I will praise His word in God, I have put my trust, I will not fear what can flesh do to me? What can flesh do to you? What can man do to you when you are afraid, it doesn't say you're not going to be afraid or don't be afraid. The scripture says, whenever I am afraid. So that means we're going to be afraid. But what happens when we're afraid? God, I will trust you. I will trust you. And I will praise your word. What your word says, I will stand on that. I will put my trust in you. I will not fear. There's nothing that flesh or this world can do to me as long as you are on my side. You have to learn that. Walk by faith. Not by sight. You may not see those blessings right now. You may not see those miracles right now. You may not see your finances in order right now. You might see that your health is out of whack right now. You might see that your marriage is in trouble right now. But don't look at everything that you're seeing through your natural eyes. You have to see it from God's lens. And He sees that you are healed, He sees that you're financially blessed. He sees that your marriage is, is prospering. He sees that your children are lining up. Whatever it is, he sees it as already finished, already done, and complete. Incomplete. And, and then the scripture says in Deuteronomy 3 and 6, 16, if you remember, Moses passed away and the Israelites did not get into the promised land with Moses. But then Joshua was was given the charge, Joshua to take the Israelites into the promised land. And he had a lot of opposition. He dealt with enemies and fighting and war and all these things getting into the promised land. And so God said to Joshua in Deuteronomy 3 and 16, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And God actually said that several times to Joshua, which to me, if someone has to repeat something over and over, that means that fear was trying to set in. That means there were times that Joshua was afraid, but God kept continually reminding him, I will not leave you or forsake you. I am right here. Take courage in me. Be strong, not in your own strength, but in my strength. And he's telling you the same thing right now in me. The Bible says that we only need mustard seed faith to speak to a mountain and it will be moved. A mountain. Do you know how small a mustard seed is? Well, it's smaller than a pea. And he says, you only need mustard seed faith. Well, my question to you is, what is your mountain right now? Is it a wayward child, a broken marriage, debt, depression, an ailing parent? Maybe it's sickness in your own body. Maybe it's fear of not hitting your goals or being productive at work or losing your job maybe whatever your mountain i would challenge you today to speak to it speak to that mountain pray over it and have faith that god will remove that mountain from your life and you will thank him right now even before you, before you see it come to pass even before you see it manifest into the earth you will begin thanking him for it because you're not seeing it in the natural you're seeing you're the healing you're seeing the deliverance you're seeing the victory Through God's eyes. And so you're thanking Him right now, but you're speaking to the mountain. You must speak to it. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Speak over your situation, speak life over it, speak it over your loved ones, and watch God work. You're limiting the Lord if you do not believe. We have faith that the engine in our car won't blow up when we're driving it or that the chair that you're sitting in won't break. Well, God made those things. It's a slap in his face to have faith in that car that is going to drive and that chair that is not going to break and not have faith in him when he made those things. I heard a pastor recently say a life with no mountains is a life with no miracles. You have to have mountains that you tell to move and trust God that they'll move, and then a miracle will come to pass because of that mountain. That's how miracles happen, because it's something that's bigger than life, that seems impossible to move, and God moves it, and then the miracle comes to pass. So I thought that was just so powerful when I heard it. I want to challenge anyone who has been a believer for quite some time to have more than mustard seed faith. It's time to level up. Your spiritual muscles should be stronger than mustard seed faith at this point. It should be stronger and they should be bigger. It takes time, but as you grow those spiritual muscles, you will have more faith and faith for bigger things. It's time to believe for God, not just for your daily bread, but for him to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think because he promised it. It's time to believe God's promises. It's time. It's time out. It's past time, actually. But hey, if you're new to the faith, just believe that God exists. Believe that God loves you. Believe that he's going to see you through today, your daily bread. To the person that's broken, he promised, the Lord promised beauty for ashes. He promised that he would restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's time to believe those promises and come out of that broken state. It's time to have crazy faith, to believe that he can do the impossible But He's because he said he can and he will, but small faith will get you small answers to your prayers and big faith will get you big answers. As a matter of fact, if your dreams aren't God sized, they are not God dreams. They are your dreams. Dream big because we have a big God and we serve a big God. And then for those that are struggling with faith, maybe you're a Christian, but you're struggling to believe. Well, I I hate to tell you, but it's hard to believe that God exists without faith because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you're struggling to have faith, then you might be questioning God. And I want you to pray. I want you to seek him, diligently seek him, as the scripture says. And I want you to ask him to show you how real he is. And he will. He will. I have no doubt about that. Because it's impossible to please him if you do not believe that he is and that he will reward you. You must believe. Faith is a big deal to God. For those people that say, I have faith, Well, the question is, do you really, do you really have faith? The Bible says that faith without works is dead. I'm going to give you a personal example of this, of works, because you have to have works um, or your faith is dead. In 2002, I joined, um, in March 2002, I joined the church that changed my life. I was living in Winston-Salem at the time. And then the following year in August of 2003, I was laid off from my job and my back was against the wall. I was a single mom with two kids getting very little, if no support from, for, uh, for my children. And I did not live close to my family either. By the way, my sister lived um, with me. Actually, we lived together at the time. Um, but I, my the rest of my family wasn't local and it took faith to make it through that season of my life and to believe that God was going to meet all of my needs. But I knew his promises, and he said that he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I just knew that all of the money in the world is his anyway. My job was a resource, that but God was my source. So I chose to believe. And honestly, because I had gotten in the faith and gotten serious about my walk with him a year and a half prior, I was—I had the armor on. I was ready for any attack that, the, that Satan would try to throw at me. And I heard God say about a week after I got laid off that he wanted me to finish school. You see, I had just gotten my associate's degree in May of that same year, 2003. It took me four years to get it because I had two kids and I was working full time. So it took me four years to get my associate's degree. I finished in May. And in that August, the same year, I was laid off. And God said, finish school. I want you to go back. I want you to get your bachelor's degree. And I'm not going to lie and pretend like I didn't wasn't a little shaky about it. I, I was, but I decided to obey. I decided to obey. I said, I know God's going to take care of me. I believe this is what he's telling me to do. And so I had to have courage and I did it. But if I had not had courage and if I had not done it, um, I would have went and I would have found another job and I would have worked. But what would have happened is I would have thwarted God's plan for my life. And I wouldn't be where I am today. Now, would God still have worked it all together for my good? Of course he would, because he promised he would do that. My path would just look different right now. And I don't want to know what it could have been, because the outcome of the choice that I made to listen God, to obey God, and to follow God, was more than I could have ever asked for, ever asked for. As time went by, He blessed me, has blessed me financially in such a way. It's unbelievable compared to where I was at that time. Honestly, there were people that sewed into my life and that blessed me at that time. And I was so grateful for it. And I didn't have a financial struggle until, guess when the financial struggle came? It came right after I graduated in May of 2005. That's when it hit. That's when the struggle hit. That's when the mountain was in my way. And a miracle had to be worked because I didn't have money to pay my rent or my other bills that June, the following month. The money had ran out. I had nobody. Nobody was giving me anything to help me along. And um, so I went to nonprofit organizations and I asked for help. And a couple of them helped me, but it was still not enough to make rent. And I said before that my sister and I were living together. Well, my sister ended up buying a condo and she moved out. So I was stuck to pay all the bills by myself. And I didn't know how I was going to make it. I went to one nonprofit organization, and they actually looked at my bills. And I'll never forget, the lady said that I didn't have a crisis. I had a maintenance issue. In other words, she was saying I I was living above my means, and I needed to be on Section 8. That's what she was saying. And so, yeah, my faith got a little shaky, but I continued to believe God. I said, God, you told me to do this. I went to school. I have my bachelor's degree. I graduated magna cum laude, 3.6 GPA. Woot woot to God for that, and I said, You did not bring the, the, me this far to give up on me now. I know you didn't. Well, shortly after that, God blessed me with a job through the temp service, through a temp service, and so that helped me along, helped me limp along. But then in August of 2005, the big break came, and I was hired by then it was BBNT. And God has done exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think in my life and in my finances since 2005. And it's blown my mind. And I believe, I honestly believe that God allowed that to happen for me because of my faith, because I trusted him. He was able to move that mountain. I spoke to that mountain and he moved that mountain and that miracle happened. And the other thing that happened shortly after that is God blessed me to fix my credit. My credit was jacked up. And you know what? The interesting is, thing is, I didn't even pay all of that credit off. Some of it supernaturally fell off. So I was able to buy my first house in late 2006. So a little after a year of my struggle, now I'm buying a home. And I don't share any of this to give credit to myself. I share it to prayerfully encourage someone who is listening and struggling financially. I want you to know that God has you Trust him and be obedient. That's what you have to do. There are several things that I did that I do believe God gave God permission to act on my behalf and bless me beyond measure. I was humble and I trusted him. I learned to swallow my pride and accept help from others. That was hard, by the way. And I asked for help when I needed it. Even like I said, I went to those nonprofits and asked for help. I continued to remain faithful to God during that time. I served in ministry. I I even tithed my unemployment check. I only got unemployment back then for six months. I didn't get an extension like people got a couple years ago or during COVID. I got unemployment for six months, and I tithed off of my unemployment. God said in Luke 6 and 38... Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, don't short God. Don't short God. I had a pastor one time that said, don't let a dime choke you. And what that means is a tithe is a tenth of your income or your first fruits, the Bible says, well, 10 cents a dime is your tithe on a dollar. That's your tithe on a dollar is 10 cents. $10 is $100 that you've made, that you've brought in to pay $10 tithe off of that. So don't let a dime choke you. That's what it is. That's a dime on every dollar for your, um, for your tithe. And I love that he said that because I've always held on to that. Someone once asked me, how do I know that the church is using my money properly? Well, that's not your problem. And that's what I told them. The church leadership is held to a higher standard and God knows all things. They might be able to fool you and me, but not him. You do what you know is right and God will bless you and he'll take care of them too. And it might not be a pretty for them as well. I also made financial sacrifices during that time. I, um, I don't even remember what happened to my car. I think I had a car that was stolen and I didn't have insurance to, to pay for it or to cover it. So I ended up using a friend's car. I drove my uncle's car for a while, which was a Grand Prix. And I felt like I was a police, a cop in that big old car. I drove my mom's Ford Taurus for a long time, and the engine kept running hot. It was the second car she had. The engine kept running hot, and I just had to do it. I had to limp along to get through school, so definitely financial situations that I dealt with, and once again, I could have said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go get a job because I could have gotten a job. I had an associate's degree. I could have gotten some kind of job. I'm going to go get a job. And I'm going to get a car and I'm going to do the things I need to do. And I'm not going to have to beg, borrow, and steal. Not literally. But I'm not going to have to ask people for money or have people feel sorry for me and give me for money anymore. I'm just going to get a job. No, no, no. I walked in faith. I endured the struggle. And I got to the other side. And I ultimately graduated. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, God. God will take care of you if you trust him. When I was preparing my message, I tried to think of a time that God told me to do something and that I didn't walk out his will, that I didn't stand in faith and trust that he was guiding me in the right direction. An incident I thought of is when I was given an opportunity to lead a small group at the church that I attended in Winston-Salem many years ago. This was many, many years ago. As I said, I started going there in March of 2002. And I got involved very quickly. By 2004, I was already on the track to leadership. So I was asked to lead a small group. Well, I didn't do it. I didn't have faith to move on it. And I didn't believe I was ready. And don't get me wrong, I continue to grow and fellowship and serve in the church and read the Bible during that time. But I do believe that if I had took a leap of faith, and been that small group leader, because I'm a small group leader today, and it's no problem. I love it. I mean, it is one of the best things and favorite things that I do. I absolutely love pouring into women and then pouring back into me. It gives me so much joy. But if I had done that, what, you know, 25 years ago, imagine where I would be in my spiritual journey. You see, God gave me a vision. Over 20 years ago, God gave me a vision, and it hasn't fully come to pass yet, the vision that he gave me. But I am on the path to it because I'm talking to you right now, so this is part of it. But I just always wonder if I had followed that plan 20-some years ago and gone into the leadership of that small group like I was asked by my leader to do, so I know what was God speaking, if I had done that, I might be in full-time ministry right now. I mean, who knows? But that's one thing about it. We don't know what the outcome would have been if we don't listen the first time, but I can say that no matter what, it's never too late. It's still not too late because I'm still fulfilling the call and it shall come to pass even if it's a little later than God anticipated or planned in the beginning. Have faith in God, level up and move in the path you know that His heart desires, His heart desires for you to go and you won't regret it. He will supersede your expectations. I am a living witness. Being vulnerable, I'll be vulnerable to you in an area. Um, I have to continue to trust God um, in the area of relationships. And I don't have the attitude that I can change people, but I know that God can. So I continue to want more sometimes for people than they want for themselves I've shared it in previous podcasts before that I went into a marriage. The marriage failed. It wasn't a long marriage, and it wasn't God's plan or will for my life. Um, So I failed at that. You know what I mean? I I felt like I failed. I felt like a failure. It's not the case, but that's how I felt at the time. And I don't want to do that again. So I have to know that I know that I know that it's God speaking to me clearly so that I obey him. Shame on me for not obeying him the first time because he told me. I just didn't listen. Um, and I did what I wanted to do. Not what he wanted for me. But no more. No more. I will wait to hear his voice and stand in faith and trust him, even if it means I wait forever and I remain single. That's okay. I'd rather do that than go down that road again of hurt and um, and, and, and failure. I want your faith to believe God for the impossible, just like he promised in the word that he would do. I want your faith um, to believe him to change your negative or bad situation and to change your circumstances. He can do it if you have faith to believe. And if you're patient to wait on him, the Bible says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting is hard. I know it's hard. I kind of hate it. But your character is built when you wait. Your faith is built when you wait. Your resilience is built when you wait. Your determination is built when you wait. Your humility is built when you wait. You will be better for it and so will I. As the old saying goes, he might be late, but he's always on time. He's always on time. God's not always going to give us what we want or move in our time or on our timetable, if he always gave us what we want, then we wouldn't have a chance to build our faith. And I think we would be prideful and spoiled. God doesn't want brats to always get their way. He wants soldiers who can resist the devil and fight in the army of the Lord. And if God hasn't exceeded your expectations, you haven't made him big enough yet. You haven't stretched your faith to believe him for the best and the worst things that we go through in this life. Because he's going to exceed your expectations if you believe he will. There are 231 verses about faith from 26 books in the Bible. And I want to touch briefly on a few stories where Jesus healed in the Bible and where faith came into play. Probably my favorite story of faith is Abraham, who was the father of faith. And most of you know this story if you've been in, in church for any time at all. God tested Abraham in Genesis 22 when he told him to take his son Isaac to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And Abraham obeyed. In verse 6 of Genesis 22, Abraham took wood and placed it on his son Isaac. What? Wow. As we um, were walking, um, as, as, as they were walking, excuse me, as they, Isaac and uh, Abraham, were walking, Isaac happened to notice there's fire, there's wood, but there's no lamb to sacrifice. And he asked, asked his dad about it. He was like, Dad, there's fire, there's wood, but there's no lamb. He was used to this. That's what they did. They sacrificed animals. This is how they were forgiven for their sins. But Abraham kept going. He basically probably ignored his son and he kept going because he was on a mission to obey God. And he built that altar and he laid Isaac there on that altar to sacrifice his son. But praise be to God, an angel cried out to Abraham before he sacrificed Isaac. God placed a ram in the thicket for him to sacrifice instead of Isaac. And Abraham didn't know that at the time. But when the angel told him not to do it, He was able to see that ram and he used that ram as the sacrifice. And then in Genesis 22 and 12, he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. That's what God told Abraham. Don't lay a hand on him. You obeyed me. I tested you and you obeyed. So sometimes we go through tests. Question is: Are you going to pass it? I haven't passed all my tests, but Lord knows I want to. God help me to pass those tests that are placed in front of me. Abraham passed it, and then there's the story of Peter in Matthew fourteen twenty two through thirty three, where the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake and they were terrified. But Peter, oh Peter, Peter's Peter's just full of it. He's full of himself, honestly. If you if you read the Bible. Peter is one of the disciples, and Peter had enough faith to ask Jesus to tell him to come to him. He asked Jesus to tell him, come to me. In other words, Peter said, I'll walk on water, Jesus, if you tell me to come to you. So what Jesus do? Okay, Peter, come on, come to me. Well, Peter got ahead of himself. He's walking. He's walking to Jesus. He's walking on water just like Jesus was. But he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the wind. And when he saw the wind, he became afraid, and he cried out, Lord, save me in verse 33 of chapter 14 Matthew and then in verse 31 Jesus reached out and he took Peter's hand and he called him and he said you of little faith why did you doubt well Peter doubted because he took his eye off of Jesus but I give him credit because he had faith in the first place to ask him if he would if he would call him to walk to him and he started on the journey to walk on water which is pretty magnificent because I don't know that I would do that And then there's the miraculous story of Jairus in uh, Mark 5 and 22. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and begged him to come and lay hands on his daughter who was sick. I see humility all over that. Well, Jesus started on his way. He was going to go and heal Jairus' daughter, only to be interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. I've talked about her in the past. Jesus paused and he healed the woman with the issue of blood. Because of her faith to seek him out and to stop at nothing to get to him. In the meantime, in verse 35 of Mark 5, Jairus um, is told by his messengers from their house that their daughter, his daughter has died. So as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So he told Jairus, don't be afraid, your daughter's alive. And he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he didn't even let anybody follow him to go to this daughter, to Jairus's daughter. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, "Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping." And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he put them out. Jesus was so gangster. Jesus put them out. They ridiculed him and said, bye. He took their father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. So Peter, James, and John, he took them. He took the parents of the child. Those are the only ones that were able to enter the room. And the child was laying there. And Jesus said to her, he grabbed her hand and he said to her, Talitha, Kuma which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, 12 years old, and he rose her from the dead, but really she was already, or she was still alive. We don't know, but I know she was living and she was walking at this point. And they were overcome with great amazement, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. So now feed her. She's awake. Feed her. Again, that's Mark 5, 36 through 43. Such a magnificent scripture. How Jairus pursued um, Jesus. Jesus came after he healed someone else and put everybody out because they probably had no faith. But I bet you mom and dad had faith because they were able to go into the room with her. And also, I believe they had faith because their daughter received healing and it was probably because of her father's faith. There's a few points that I want to make from these stories, and the first one is like Abraham. Like Abraham, have faith and obey God, even if what he is telling you to do doesn't make sense. It did not make sense for Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, but he followed God and he obeyed. That's what we have to do. And then like Peter, even when you're afraid to step out on faith, do it anyhow, But don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Because you will lose focus and you might sink, just like what started happening to Peter. And then the next point is God's authority is above all others. He can change a situation in an instant. And he doesn't need anyone's permission to do it. That's exactly what happened for Jairus. And his daughter and her life being saved. He did not need anyone else. And it does not matter about people that ridicule, make fun of, talk about. It does not matter. God is God. And he's going to do what he's going to do. Just believe. And then the next point is like the woman with the issue of blood. Press. And Jerry is too. Press. Do whatever it takes to get your healing and your prayers answered. If that means fast, fast. Turn your plate over. Get off social media. Whatever you need to do. If that means cutting some people off, and even friends, and even family, cut them off. Cut them off. Cut the cord. If that means making sacrifices with your time, with your money, and with your resources, make the sacrifice like I had to do when I went back to school. Make the sacrifice. It will be worth it in the end. What is God telling you right now? Because I believe there are people out there God speaking to you through this. And then lastly, go with God even if you're ridiculed and you're made fun of. He has the final say always, and he is always in control. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, the Bible says. Lean not onto your own understanding, but acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will direct your path, not man, to so trust the Lord. Let's go on this faith journey together. Are you ready? I know I am. Let us pray. Oh, dear gracious and merciful Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your loving kindness. I thank you for knowing us inside and out. You said the numbers of our hair, uh, the the hair on our head is numbered. God, you know everything there is to know about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So God, I just challenge my listeners to lean in, trust you, talk to you, be vulnerable to you, be honest with you, tell you what tell you what they stand in need of right now. You already know, but you're waiting for them to talk to you to tell you. God, and I just pray that their hearts will change. I pray that their level of faith will change. I pray, God, that they will believe, begin to believe you not only for their daily bread. But I pray that they will begin to believe you for the impossible, that they will tell that mountain to move and it will be removed into the sea like you promised. I pray that they will they will dig into the word. They will pray more. They will surround themselves with positive influences, people that are going somewhere. They will join a ministry and get involved. God, I just pray whatever they stand in need of. And for those who've been in the faith for a long time, I pray that they will begin tithing. I pray that they will begin trusting you on a whole new level. God, I just pray that you'll take them higher. I pray that this will be the year of not just faith, but crazy faith in everyone's life that is listening, God, and mine too, because this prayer is not just for the listeners. It is for me. So God, give me crazy faith and allow the impossible to come to pass. And I'm thanking you for it right now, God, in advance. And I trust you for it, God. Help us all to be patient and wait on you. We love you. We praise your holy name. And we say these in all of our prayers in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all again for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. And uh, just take care of yourselves and take care of one another. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Talk with Tanya.